0: Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrubin, author of My Jewish Year.
1: And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And
0: we're two very different Jews talking about the same dazzling Torah together. <laughs> How you Hello, doing? Hello, Dov.
1: Abby? Hi, Abby. We can say hi at the same time. All right. It's spontaneous. Sure. So
0: we are in Mikets, right. Genesis 41. Yes. What does Miketz mean?
1: McCates is at the end of because this was at the end of after two full years after what we read in the last week's Parsha that Joseph predicted for Pharaoh's servants uh, what was going to happen to them based on dreams that they had. Joseph was in jail
0: Mm -hmm. and he met Pharaoh's cupbearer and his baker and they had really scary weird dreams and Joseph managed to interpret them accurately in a way that they felt like he was some seer.
1: Right. And what he predicted came true. And, but the one who was, one was executed, one was elevated, and the one who was elevated in the end was supposed to tell Pharaoh about what Joseph had done, but completely forgot and ignored Joseph's accomplishments.
0: Until Pharaoh is having his own weird dreams and he is desperate to understand them, and the cupbearer remembers and tells him about Joseph. Exactly. But let's just talk about what the dreams were. What was Pharaoh dreaming? Tell me about the
1: cows. Okay. so first he dreamt that seven healthy cows rose out of the Nile. And he said, "I've never seen such beautiful, healthy cows in all of the land of Egypt." And then immediately afterwards, seven scrawny, thin, emaciated, emaciated cows rose up out of the Nile, consumed the seven healthy cows. And then there was the same thing happened with uh, grain stalks of wheat. Right, seven healthy stalks of wheat, and then afterwards, seven emaciated, wind blasted stalks of wheat. They swallowed up the healthy ones, and you know they remained just as emaciated as before.
0: And so Joseph is summoned. By Pharaoh to explain the dreams. And he explains it by basically saying, you're going to have seven years of a bumper crop followed by seven years of famine. Exactly. And you need to prepare for it. Exactly. And Pharaoh's like, oh my God, you're brilliant. (laughs) You've got the job. Yes. Take us through it. I'm giving you... What does he deputize him? He
1: makes him his second in command. He authorizes him. He says, everything that will take place in the land of Egypt will take place on your orders. Nobody is greater in the entire land of Egypt other than myself. So Joseph is the head honcho.
0: So let's just pause there because it's amazing that it works out well. And he turns out, Joseph turns out to have been prescient, to have been correct. But when I hear someone tell me about their dreams, I just kind of tune out. I don't put a lot of stock into them. It just, it's your subconscious. It's God knows what is causing them. I just don't understand why dreams were trusted.
1: Right. Well, I think that if you read the verses, consistently God is referenced. You know, Joseph says to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I heard there's nobody who can interpret dreams. Joseph said, dreams are from God. And I let me help you interpret them. And then after he interprets them, Pharaoh says, you know, is there any man that has the spirit of God in him, such as this man? So there's a sense that they are from God. There's
0: a line, in fact, at 40, uh, 41.32, mm-hmm. it says, as for Pharaoh having had the same dream twice, it means that the matter has been determined by God and that God will soon carry it out. There's something about having repeated this dream that shows that God has a hand in it?
1: The Torah believes that or is assuming that a way God communicates with us is through our dreams. I mean, amazing things happens in our dream that don't happen in real lives. We see people that were dead. We see images we would never see, right? There's some sense of something, I don't know, magical that goes on. So you could certainly understand how people could have believed that this was something in the other world, a means through which it communicated with us.
0: But then Pharaoh goes on to say, see, I put you in charge of all of the land of Egypt. Right. Like, what's his job qualification? Well,
1: if he is enough filled with the spirit of God, which I believe is what Pharaoh said, right, that he can tap into the way God communicates with us. But they don't have the same religion. That's a good question. I mean, I think that Pharaoh would sort of say, whatever your God is, you have told me that your God— You're connecting to the
0: divine in some way.
1: Dreams come from your God, and you're connected to that God, and hey, looks like it works, so you're the man to go with. Um, so it seems to be that's it that, you know, and, and we have that a couple times by Joseph that, you know, when he works for the, uh, you know, for Potiphar, this uh, other dude from before Pharaoh, uh, it says that, you know, he said, I see that, you know, God is with you in whatever that you do. Well, What
0: about you? When you have a dream, do you feel like somehow God is telling you something?
1: No, I certainly don't. I think Do you I'm You think too... it's a
0: predictor of something?
1: No, I, I will I, I think sometimes dreams can disturb me if disturbing things you know, the same way if you see something disturbing that can get under your skin. So if you see something in your dream disturbing. But um, That, no, I I will say even the Talmud says that most dreams are chaff. There's only a little bit of wheat there. There's only a little bit of truth. And it actually says that dreams follow the interpretation, which is actually, I think, like self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if you believe it means something, it's more likely that that will come true in your life. And actually, I think in some way... That sounds very Oprah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess so, but like, it's, it's If you believe it, right.
0: it will be. That's interesting to me because it's kind of like a vernacular that is
1: foreign to me. Right. Think about palm readers nowadays, right? Think about all the people that, you know, the crystal ball. If you buy into that, and I think a lot of the ancient world did buy into that. But it's also, you're, you're making
0: me think actually that people wanted to make sense of the chaos of right. a dream. Yes. Because it's usually not linear and Right, all kinds of things are happening that aren't necessarily realistic, like thin cows eating fat cows.
1: Right. So, that so we, are, we are desperate
0: to make sense of something that it, it's unsettling. To if have... there's
1: a whole world that doesn't make sense because you don't have modern science, so you don't understand why the sun rises and why it rains and why there's lightning or anything, right? So you don't understand what the dreams are, but there seems to be something there that's intriguing and mysterious and that you can't understand. You'd want someone to explain it to you. Okay. You seem very convinced, Abby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm never convinced. So let's move on to Joseph's brothers right. who so Joseph is in charge and his brothers are starving because we're now in the seven years of famine. They're it's they're already in it when they come to him, right? Yes. And they're basically beggars at yeah. that point.
1: I mean, they have money to offer, but, you know, he has total control over them. He's got the food that they need. So all of the leverage is his. It's a seller's market. And basically,
0: what does he do? He kind of plays with them.
1: He manipulates them. He basically claims, you're all spies. But the key moment before he claims that is that he says, he recognized his brothers and they didn't recognize him. So
0: here's the quote from uh, 42.7 in Genesis. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he acted like a stranger toward them and spoke harshly to them. He asked them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan, to procure food. So basically, he's acting as if he doesn't know them. Right. And he's kind of forcing them to claim their need. Right. And it just seems to me like he was abused by them. They threw him in the pit. Right. And now, instead of kind of taking the high road, it's it's just significant to me that he's deciding to... Right,
1: he could have come clean right at that moment. I've, you read 42.8, and Joseph knew his brothers, but they did not know him. And then the next verse says, and Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them and said to them, you are spies to see the nakedness of the land you come. So why do you think it says at that moment that he remembered the dreams? Why do you think he's doing this to his brothers? You think it's revenge, something different more than that? It seems to me that it's revenge. You did this to me and I'm gonna actually make you suffer. Right, and I think that it's because like we saw before, he sees himself as a vehicle uh, of God to interpret dreams. And I think here he sees himself as a vehicle of God to make the dreams come true.
0: And so this was God's plan. Right. And he has to reify it. Exactly.
1: He is going to manipulate it. So the brothers bow down to him so that all of the, everything that he saw before ultimately becomes, yeah, becomes realized.
0: And that sounds a little bit like a justification to me because ultimately he chooses to be on a power trip Mm -hmm. He could, they're coming to him in desperation. Right. And he could lend a hand here. Yeah. And not humiliate them. Right. He chooses to humiliate them.
1: Yes. So it's true they're humiliated, but I think it still gets to the question of what his motivation is. I mean, one way to read it is he needs them because they're not there with the youngest brother, with Benjamin. And by forcing them to bring Benjamin down, which he does, he says, if you'll bring your younger brother down, I'll know you're not spies. Um, And by forcing that, he's getting all of the brothers to bow down to him, which is what his dream was. And he's also maybe trying to see if they're going to treat Benjamin in the same way they treated him, you know, the younger brother, the favored brother, and so on. So to me, I see those things playing a much bigger role than the suffering or the revenge as the motive. Well,
0: maybe it's also like a, a warning to readers, to people who are seeing this story, that ultimately catches up with you. If you're going to do the evil thing, that ultimately you're going to pay a price. And at a certain point, you'll be called to account. And this is the moment of truth for them. Right. Is it not a cautionary tale?
1: Well, it is. when It says later in the parish when they're opening up their sacks and they see that Joseph had hidden the money in their sacks of grain. You have to explain that. Joseph planted money in their sacks of grain. And that's also to play with them or manipulate them. So they say, we are truly, and they're afraid that now they're going to be, you know, caught out as thieves, even though they didn't do this. They said, like, we're truly guilty because of what we did to our brother. We threw him in the pit and he was beseeching us and we ignored him. So they certainly feel...
0: It stays with you. It stays with you. It catches up to you.
1: Right. But I would go back to the question of Joseph and the flip, which is, so I've been pushing the idea that he's trying to make the dreams come true. You're saying it's revenge. And I guess my question is, maybe they're both true. Do you think that we can always disentangle our motives? Or do you think that you know, sometimes we tr- we think we're trying to do what God wants of us, but how much is there also what we're trying to do for ourselves and for, you know, less than ideal motives? Does that resonate?
0: I think it's the perfect note to end on because we
1: are both. <laughs> well, I think the perfect thing here is that we can end by saying that we were both right. <laughs> <laughs> Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Parsha in Progress
0: is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrubin and Rabbi Dov Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Talushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, Parsha in Progress at tabletmag.com. Thanks for listening. Seven fat cows came out of the night, Uh-huh. Bopcha wada wacha wada and right behind those fine healthy animals came seven other cows that were skinny and vile. Uh-huh. uh-huh. All right,
1: let's